Hello and welcome to Let the Good Dice Roll, our retrospective podcast on a two and a half year long campaign of Exalted that is very, very rapidly coming to an end and oh god, I don't know what we're going to do after this. Oh god, I am frightened. Christina, please help me. We'll, we'll figure something out. We've been talking about different things that we can do, so we'll figure it out. Okay, so on this podcast, we will eventually figure it out. So the reason that we're doing this retrospective on uh, this campaign, uh, well, right now is actually because these sessions weren't recorded, but the previous sessions actually used copyrighted music, mostly Persona music and uh, old... Because Brendan likes Persona, if you didn't already know that. And JoJo music. Because Brendan also is obsessed with JoJo. I mean, they're, they're like the same thing, right? Sure. I'm about to get hate mail from every fucking Persona and JoJo fan ever just for saying that, and I'm so sorry because I have the same reaction whenever that someone says JoJo and Persona are the same thing. So I said, sure. Sure they are. <laughs> uh, also, I use a lot of, like, actual, like, copyright music, like Kansas and, uh... Enigma and... Things that we don't have permission. Yeah, yeah, things that we definitely do not have permission or the money to put up uh, any of this stuff. Also, some of those old recordings are a little rough, rough's I would say. A, rough's a good word for that. Yeah, they, they, they definitely don't have the quality that uh, some of our stuff that's actually been put up has. And that's saying a lot because some of our stuff is not quality, especially the early stuff. But we have a better device now, so... We, we do have a better device now. And we're not recording in multiple different studios, and we don't have me figuring out, uh... You say studios, but you mean, like, houses and apartments. Studios! Air quotes. Heavy air quotes. We're not, we're not switching, uh, places every, uh, other weekend. So, which causes just, just, just massive headaches for anyone on the audio editing side. I will tell you that much. Um, so, are there any announcements that we'd like to get out of the way that you can think of, Christina? Uh, well, so Brendan's going to be teaching me how to edit soon. And that means that I will be able to put up my D&D campaign. Which I still don't have a name for yet. Um... So that's going to be fun. I have to think of a name before I can actually put it up. Yes, yes, you are going to have to do that before we can put it up because we need to get... We, you need to have a campaign name. How are people going to know to follow you? It's true. I mean, we haven't had a problem with our players yet. But... Yeah, I need to think of a name. Uh, the other thing to note is that due to um, the current quarantining that is going on... Um, Stay safe, people. Yes, please stay safe, um, but I'm sure that you've heard that from a million other podcasts, but I wanted to let everyone know that Mage is taking yet another hiatus. We do still have about another four to five episodes. Something like that. Um, left to get through of recorded content, um, but if this all doesn't let up for like, um, like two months... We're gonna hit another uh, another wall. So in the meantime, for quarantine time, we have our friend Maury, who is going to actually be running uh, his Pugmire game online for us, um, which actually does give me some ideas for a good uh, first episode after this, after all the exalted stuff is done. Cool. Are we talking about the Pugmire system then? Uh, that that was not my idea, but that that is a good thing to uh, to, that I'd like to talk about at some point. Okay, I mean it'd be interesting uh, to do that before we actually play, let people know what the fuck the system's about. Yeah, definitely. Um, but the idea is uh, gaming when you're quarantined or gaming remotely. I think that that could be a good topic in and of itself. Distance gaming. Distance gaming. Yeah. I preach roll twenty because. It's been a very helpful system for distance gaming because Brennan and I are in a campaign on Saturday nights that uses Roll20. And then we run voices through Discord um, because it's just easier to split it up that way usually for us. Mm -hmm. But I know that there are other apps out there that help you do this kind of thing. So uh, we can talk about that when the, we finish up with Exalted because we got to finish up with Exalted. Like D&D Beyond mm -hmm. is another good one. So, Christina, if you'd like to get us started in your usual way. 
So, uh, I'm missing a section of notes because I think I left my notebook at home for that session and I had to manually write stuff down on a piece of paper, which I don't think I have at all. Uh, so we're unfortunately Brendan's just gonna have to read. So his luckily notes. enough, I have my notes and we have our memories. Yeah, our memories. So um, the group does head north to Gethmain. Um, during this time, uh, a couple uh, NPCs get asked if they can be brought up there with them. Obviously, uh, Sergey Talisman and uh, Surefire. Sure uh, do you remember who else came with you guys? Um, I want to say you guys brought Faith with you. I don't remember off the top of my head. I want to say you guys definitely brought a Solar with you, and I don't remember anyone else. Uh, so this is gonna like, if we end up having uh problems later, like with the notes contradicting this, then so be it. But I want to say you guys definitely either brought Faith or Star. There was for sure a sidereal present. Also, I want to say that Diego has to go, but I'm not 100% sure if he actually did. We can figure it out later. Um, so, I think... So, one of the things that ended up happening was... Um, was this when that you guys were taking the airship up there, and then you found a bunch of... Um, we had to park the airship? No, not you had to park the airship. Where the, you guys found that you had stowaways... Uh, no. No? No. Okay. That's a different airship ride then. Yes, because I, I know that one exists because I read it. It's actually uh, on, I think it's, yeah, that one's March 24th. Okay. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that that wasn't, that wasn't somewhere yeah, no, no, in no. there. Yeah, no, no, That's later. Um, I know that at some point, so the guys, everyone goes up, up to the north, and it is creepy going up to the north because every village and everything that they pass by is completely desolate there are no uh no people out nothing which, which we mentioned earlier that cities were systematically falling falling and people were being slaughtered and gethamine was next on the list which right. was our whole part of our whole reason to go to gethamine besides the fact that the population was increasing there because i think they were taking refugees on yes but we also discussed how Gethamine does this every so often. It increases in population and all of a sudden just gets wiped out. Yep. Um, As a reminder. So some of the things that I know, because I do recall that Julia was investigating some of the towns on her way up there. I think so. Um, and I believe that that's this session. If not, we'll, I'll fix it in post. But um, basically some of the things that she found there were uh, half-eaten bodies of exceptionally beautiful people, tortured, crucified, or other or otherwise on display as an act of of power, corpses. That's power. a weird. Uh, basically, there there were a bunch of people who were like tortured, crucified, or just like maimed, and on as display, a show of power. As a show of power. Uh, ghosts wailing in agony that look nothing like the bodies around them. If people were to uh, investigate the uh, bodies, they would find that a bronze gelatin has replaced most of the bodies, uh, most of the internal organs. And a journal or two which speak of visions coming and the hanged man, as well as being force-fed gelatin to the point of not wanting to eat it anymore makes make up some truly disturbing shit <laughs> make up some truly disturbing shit um so then you guys eventually arrive in gethamane but saying like visions coming and the hanged man like that very indicatively references certain characters to me oh yeah 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 i specifically just ruined a little thing oh well that's fine like unless people can remember specifically when the, when the character actually shows up, we will actually mention it. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Like, if people remember, they remember. If they don't, then they don't know what we're talking yeah. about. Anyway, so um, then you guys arrived in Gethmane. Um, basically, you guys, there's a queue to get in. And you guys, uh, if I recall, were like, yeah, no, we're going to go in. And Sergey was like, no, no, guys, that's not how we do it here. Please don't, please don't embarrass me in front of my... In front of my city. Please don't embarrass me in front 
city. He's so, so adorable. He makes you guys wait around to get onto the elevator. And upon going down there, uh, there's a f basically by kind of looking around um, Gethamine, it there's a lot of different things that get revealed about Sergey and Surefire's past. Um, so I actually literally have facts about Sergey and Surefire that can be investigated. And since I, I'm not sure that all of them got revealed, I'm gonna just list off. Why not? Both of them. Screw it. Unless it reveals like a, a really big thing later. Uh, I don't think that it does. I don't, probably not. Um, so facts about Surefire. He was from a hunter-gatherer family, which means that basically uh, they went outside of Gethamine, which they're not necessarily well-liked as hunter-gatherers. Um, his father was first to interact with the bull. Um, Sergey and Surefire were friends since they were five. Surefire always gets weird looks. He's broken a lot of laws in Gethamine. Uh, and then Surefire fell in love with the bull's daughter and ran away from home to pursue her, thus white hair and tan skin. Yeah. Which is why he looks super weird in Gethamine, because everyone in Gethamine lives underground. So, like, none of them have, like... Or, that's why he's, like, tanned, but he has white hair, because, like, a lot of people underground, like, basically their hair was, like... They kind of went, like, albino. Yeah. Um, facts about Sergei. Sergei was a small boy until puberty hit him. His height is not a product of his shape-shifting abilities. He is just that big. <laughs> Sergei has a beautiful singing voice, and certain women in Gethamine are upset that he doesn't sing anymore. Makes sense he doesn't sing anymore because he uh, has a tyrant lizard singing voice now. I think I got him to sing once at some point. I think you did. I don't know if that ever came up or if that comes up in the future, but I'm pretty sure I got him to sing once. Um, he was of the farmer cast, allowing him time to practice his singing. He's got an out- and finally, he has an outstanding warrant for his capture by the Scarlet Empress herself for over 50,000 counts of tax fraud. We did find that one out for sure. <laughs> he will vehemently deny this as he was smart enough to find those loopholes for everyone in Gethamine. Well, because I remember traveling through Gethamine and there were almost wanted posters of him up there and I pulled a couple down as we went along. There was also, I, we did find out about the women fawning over him. Yes. Because there was a couple people, a couple women like doing the whole waving to him out the window with a little handkerchief and Storm's just like, I'm not dealing with this shadow dagger. Right up to the neck, unconscious. Not kill. She just put them to sleep because she didn't feel like dealing with it. Which I remember the whole group looked at me and they're like, really? Swarm was like, what? It was annoying. And she just kept walking. <laughs> um, and one of the final things is because it uh, Surefire is technically an outcast, Sergei is overprotective of Surefire while they're inside of Gethamine. Yeah. I don't think that, I don't know if that ever actually came up or not. I don't think that that ever really came up, but we were also kind of... Uh, I feel like that once we got to Godbound, there was a lot of, uh, here's the RP session. Here's the RP slash battle session. Here's the final combat session. Like, yeah. we really, like, put that on a, uh, like, just rapid fire, like, here's the conveyor belt for running game. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I um, this was also, I think, where Sonny did his dance thing so that we could yes. move through town. I believe we've talked about it before, where basically you make so much noise and as long as everyone is dancing and joining into it, nobody notices you. So, funny thing about that is, as I recall, this is the first time that Sonny has used this, and yet someone recognizes what's going on and one of the guards like recognizes this, stops him and goes, you fucking stop that right now. And... Tony's like, what the fuck do you mean stop it right now? One of the laws in Gethamane is you do not raise your voice. You do not make a lot of noise. I, I remember he, because he, I remember he was just like, I can do this thing. And, I was, and Storm was like, no, walking ghosts. I'm going to walk away from you guys. So one of the reasons <laughs> that you do, that, you, that they don't like that is because underneath Gethamane are a bunch of like, fucking tunnels that just have monsters that'll just randomly come up that get attracted to noise. Yeah. Tre and like, and tremor life. Yeah. 
Um, so one of the other things is that uh, the Victory Society, um, one, of the, one of the things you guys are hunting down that becomes very obvious later on. But basically, this society has infiltrated deep into Gethamane um, and has basically uh, taken over the, far the local mushroom farms. Um, Why is mushroom farms... In any game I play, like LARPing or otherwise, why is mushrooms always a thing? Okay, so it makes sense here because that's the only, like, food that you can really grow underground without a lot of natural well, it's light. Well, it's a thing in, uh, in Stormflux, too, with Transcendence, Inc. They had a lot of mushrooms. They're underground. And then also with Ultec, uh, mushrooms were a thing, but also underground. Exactly. But it's still weird. It's, it's interesting that, like... I get they're all underground, so mushrooms make sense, but it's just a weird thing that just keeps coming up, if you know what I mean. Um, at some point, you guys talk to a guardsman who, uh, like an older guardsman, who tells you guys that things have been weird with some of the newer recruits who have been talking to this Victory Society. Basically, he's hyping up that the Victory Society is the big bad of this area. And that something is going on. Um, if you got... I think that also, at some point, you guys were offered some... Uh, gelatin. Some gelatin. <gasps> Was this where I went into the one place and they offered gelatin, and then I went up, like, into the top of the building while Sergei was down in there and yeah. like, fucked with things? I yeah. don't remember what all I, I did. I don't remember what you did either. Because um, I think Sergei and I went off on our own at one point because he wanted to see somebody or introduce me to somebody, or we ended up going to a bar or something like that. Okay, here's, here's something else that... Uh, so, you guys also got... Uh, I'm not sure that you guys definitely got this, but I'm going to just say it here. Uh, info on the Bowl of the North's disappearance. He went into the underways after a particularly bad influx of underway monsters, swearing that he'd put an end to it. His whole circle went with him. He used to come back out, but hasn't been seen for that's, months. That's right, because that's, that's where we went. I went to the bar to collect information, and that's when um, people wouldn't talk to me right away. So I went up and was spying on people. Right. Um, and then the last time he came out of the underways, he was raving about whatever it was down there, regenerating, and being unable to kill it. Yeah, because it was like a weird, like, hot spring bar or something Also, like that. I have in the notes here, Grief, Architect, and Void are all hanging out in the guild section, dealing with boredom as they do, arguing about going into the underways to relieve their boredom. That's right, because they were in the alleyway. And while this I is was, where... Because while I was in the bar, it was like... It was, uh, like, Lioness and a couple other people, or maybe it was Talisman and Surefire, and Nyx walked up to them. Yes. It was definitely Nyx. Yeah, it was It was Nyx, Surefire, and Talisman went down the hallway, and they were smoking hookah while, um, Ark was made a playground and was playing on it, and they were bickering about some stuff. Like, not bickering, right. bickering, because all three of them got and along. Then Void show and then Void turned around, saw Nyx, and went... And got really, like, awkward talking to her. Yeah. And Reese just kind of facepalming, and Ark was all like, Hi, my name is Architect! Or she, like, I think she gave her a whole title, and immediately Talisman's like, Nope! <laughs> nope. And, We're gonna uh, nope on out of that. And uh, Nyx actually started bonding with Architect because they were both crafters. Right. And I think she showed... Um, Tal and talisman some of her blueprints and I remember Julia taking note and be like I'm going to keep track of that so I can learn how to dismantle it later if it ever comes up mm -hmm. now I'm slowly remembering stuff from right. it and I think that that was it for the uh, it for that session that's all the major stuff that I can kind of remember yeah yeah I think so um, I think that God King did a lot of the uh, bureaucratic dealings with the higher ups of Gethamane yeah. and also was trying to figure out the stuff with the Victory Society because God King's entire... I think entire... God King and Sonny went off to do that. God King, yeah, that was God King's and, Son and Sonny's deal. I don't remember what Lioness went. Maybe Lioness went... Lioness wasn't there. Lioness was out investigating some of the other... Oh, uh, yeah. Right. Uh, Lioness went to investigate that. Sonny and God King went to go into the bureaucratic side. And then Talisman, Surefire, and Nyx ran into the trio 
And then Storm's like, I'm gonna go do my thing. I'm taking my boo with me, and we're gonna go do the thing. Right. And spy and shit. And that should be the end for that session. Yeah. It began on Sunday, February the 24th, 2019. We uh, start off at a former temple to a farming god that was remade for the Victory Society. And I know we've mentioned them before, so we get to find out a little bit more about them this episode, actually. Storm goes to investigate the temple, using Nyx to basically be a distraction by seeming interested in this group. So she walks into the temple building, whatever have you it's called, and kind of feigns being interested in it to draw their attention so that Storm can kind of peek in and get a bird's eye view of where everything is. I believe I used uh, that All Directions is one to walk up the side of the building and kind of peek in one of the windows from a high vantage point so hopefully they wouldn't see me. We end up finding that there's three saints of victory. Uh, when Storm looks in the window she sees a woman in there who, I'm going to spoil who it is real quick, oh. so it'll be easier to kind of go along with mm-hmm. okay. this, because there's a couple people in that room. Okay. So the woman that she sees, if you remember from the Legion Sanguinary, Vision, she's in there. And then there is someone who looks like one of the saints, or who would be one of the saints, in a cloak and dagger kind of demeanor. Uh, and then there's an older man with dragon lines who's actually a dancer. And then there's this random buff dude that's just in there kind of moving stuff around. Um, we'll give you the name that we decided to give him later. Um, so as Nyx is in there, she sees a hologram of a man wrapped up in a red dress garb who is, spoiler, Crimson King. Congrats. Wasn't hard to figure that one out. No, never hard to find him. He has a very distinctive style, you could say. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like, you know, he's wrapped in something and, you know, is wearing red. Like a crimson king. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, at least he looks better than the the user of King Crimson from Part 5. No, no, we're not we're not getting into that right now. I mean, that is what he is a direct reference I to. I know. We're not getting into that right this now. So, as Nyx walks in, everyone stops what they're doing and looks over at, at her. Except for the dude that's lifting stuff up and putting them down. Uh, Nyx basically describes who she sees in the hologram through our little devices that let us kind of mentally talk to one another. And Storm tells her that's the Crimson King. And as she describes the other people that she sees and who Storm can also see, she lets her know who Dancer is as well so that she's aware. But uh, Storm does not recognize uh, the two men or the wo- or the woman that's there, the woman being Vision. So we learn, I, I'm sure you're going to elaborate on each of these. We learn that the, the three saints are the saint of victory through deception, which apparently is the cloak and dagger guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the saint of victory through battles, which is, ha- is, he's wearing a mammoth pelt. And the saint of victory through trade. Yep. So I have written down that Vision is the priestess of the um, the Saint of Victory through battles. Basically, she's the Vision of battles mm-hmm. is kind of her weird title for it. And so uh, Storm stays up there and watches the quote-unquote villains for about three minutes before Dancer's head jerks up towards the window where she's at. And uh, she basically is just like, nope. And dips off to go and find Nyx, who has finally left the building after talking to them a little bit about what the Victory Society was all about. Mm-hmm. Which, if I remember correctly, they were very vague about everything, which made they sense. They were incredibly vague about what their uh, whole society was about. Um, it's obviously a cult of some sort of... It's obviously a cult of abyssal in nature purpose. Um, but once that uh, everything gets revealed, I have a larger document on everything so that I can actually, like, explain the, um, so I can explain what they, some of the stuff that might have gotten missed in the leaves or was not written down was. Yeah, because I, I don't write every detail down. Sometimes I'm very detailed with things. Sometimes I'm not. 
Especially when it comes to combat, I just can't sit and write all that shit down. Well, combat, once we moved to Godbound, got... I don't want to say that it got boring. It was incredibly... Repetitious? It was incredibly repetitious, but it was effective, as opposed to combat in Exalted, which was very slow, but... More theatrical. Okay, it wasn't slow in the game. It was slow... Actual players. Yeah, actual mechanics-wise and trying to make sure we were rolling the right amount of dice and then the stunts, and then adding the dice, subtracting the dice, whatever we had to do with what we had. Yes. Anyways, uh, so Storm hasn't found Nyx just yet. So as Nyx is walking back to try and find her, she runs into Void, who I'm sure you all remember. Yes, that's the giant, That not giant, that's the mummy man. Yep. Uh, and he's wearing a skin suit. Not very well, by the way. Yes. Imagine somebody crafted him a perfect skin suit and was very busy and didn't give him full instructions of how to put it on properly. The best, that might be exactly what happened. The best <laughs> example of this in uh, media is if you've ever seen the first Men in Black, it's when at the it's when what's his face? I can't remember the fucking actor's name. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. When Vincent D'Onofrio is wearing the Edg- uh, has the Edgar suit, the alien has the Edgar suit on, and it's like off, like. Just slightly putting it in that, like, that uncanny valley. Yeah, it is very uncanny valley. Like, you just look at it and you're like, I don't... mm, mm." Something is off here, and I don't know what. This is off-putting, but we'll go with it. Okay. Now, now I do have a a question for you, Christina. Um, Where is the group currently? They're in the north, correct? Yes. Um, Last session, we mentioned who came up with them, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, once we're done with this, remind me about that because I do have a note in here concerning if you guys brought the wrong group. Oh, okay. Basically, uh, I will let you know that the group, uh, just right up front, that the group does bring the right group for things that happen. But basically, there were points where it's like, if you didn't take so, like certain combinations of people, like... Basically, like, entire sessions got locked. Makes sense. Like, sir, we well, we went to the north, so we had to bring, you know, certain people along for that. Because it he brought sense. Talisman, Surefire, and, and Sergey. Yeah. Because it made sense for Sergey and Surefire because they're both from Gethamane. And we're up there to look for the bull of the north, who is Talisman's father. Right. So, at minimum, that was how we, who we had to bring. Mm-hmm. As I said, Nyx runs into our mummy man in a skin suit, who tries to talk to her. And at this point, Storm and Lioness are looking for her because she Nyx goes over her comms and is like, "So remember that mummy guy? Um, he's here." And Lioness is, "Oh hell no! I'm gonna go look for her." And Storm's just like, "I'm on my way. I'm already looking for you." Lion. So basically, they find her at the same time. Lioness goes up to them and starts talking to Void. Storm is staying off to the side and walking ghost, kind of keeping an eye on the situation in case she needs to intervene like she do. Um, it goes fine. They get their little cinnamon bun away from the mummy and kind of go off and meet up with the rest of the group. Or try to meet up with the rest of the group. Now, one of the things that I should mention here is that Void, um, all of the Abyssals from uh, Raising the Legion Sanguinary had finished their character arc. Their character arcs are successful and completed. They are whole characters. Their story is done. So now we're dealing with epilogue characters. Yeah, 15 years after they did their thing. Like, well, after that whole Legion Sanguinary. This is 15 years after. Throughout that course, they've done the things they needed to do. And might have changed a little bit for some of might, them. Might have changed a little bit for some of them. And some of them are just looking for purpose again in their life. Like in Void's case, um, I think that I mentioned this during the Legion Sanguinary thing, but Void has, uh, over the course of his whole thing, has found his vengeance, has a bunch of different martial arts styles, yeah. and is basically just like looking for purpose. And 
the purpose that he finds that becomes a little bit more obvious later on, but it makes that interaction with the skin suit with Nyx make a little bit more sense is the first time he saw Nyx, he fell in air quotes love. He was smitten. He was smitten with her and basically became a stalker. Yeah. <laughs> All capital letters on stalker. But not the good kind, like Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl. It's a video game, by the way. Mm, okay. It's really fucking good. So, uh, people meet up to discuss plans, decide to, literally what I wrote up, decide to fuck Victory Society first, and then get the Pole of the North. Because this whole Victory Society, for all we knew, was involved in why the Pole of the North was missing. So if we could take them down, it keeps them from doing whatever they're doing, and hopefully the area can rebuild a little bit. Now granted, we didn't know if there was a timer on finding the Bull North. We also didn't know if he was alive or not. We didn't really know his situation in general, other than the fact that he's been missing for I think it was like six months at this mm-hmm. point. Yep. So it was kind of a ticking clock, but the Victory Society, because of who they were connected to, clearly, you know, they're connected to the main under the waves seems like a bigger threat at this point. And if the Bull and Norse are already dead, then it's not a pressing matter. So they definitely, that whole scene, their, their interaction with the Maiden and the Waves uh, uh, Abyssals kind of put them up higher on this threat scale, I would say. Yep. Now, this farming community is outside of Gethamine. Mm-hmm. Yep, I just I just wanted to make that clear because you guys have not entered into Gethmain because once you guys get into Gethmain, some shit gets revealed that's uh not necessarily I would say uh bad, but bad, not good. But it's it's an interesting character development. <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. Well, uh so basically we come up with a plan. And using Storm's word of deception, because she's a fantastic liar, she convinces, wait for it, because it's great, she convinces the round earther masses to fight the flat earthers. And why this is funny... It's (laughs) because (laughs) that creation is a flat earth, so the people who are saying that it's a round earth are basically the equivalent of us in real life having flat earthers and it's like no it's not round because once you start going out into like a single direction too far you just start going out into the fucking wild and things just become like this element more and more so so it starts going like oh yeah like there's some fire and then everything's made of fire and then there's an ocean of fire and then it's just fire 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 and then there's entire fire societies and it's just fire everywhere because the south is the elemental pole fire feel better yeah a little bit okay well so we sick the round earthers and flat earthers against each other um to basically i feel like that was very cathartic for uh for some of us who have had to deal with flat earthers yeah and Nyx tries to sneak around and starts pulling keystones out of the building that the Victory Society is in to try to collapse it down. Storm stands up on a vantage point to kind of keep an eye on what's going on. Because uh, I think I had something that let me kind of do that. And basically she's just over the comms being like, okay, this is happening, we need more people over here. She's playing strategist from the la- the topscape area. You're, you're playing a real-time strategy game because yeah. you have the advantage. You have the vantage point. Yeah, and that way she can keep an eye on this battle and this battle and the Abyssals at the same time to kind of gear people to where they need to go. Well, of course the Abyssals and all the bad guys are, you know, clearly more powerful than normal people so they're kind of, you know, fucking them up and uh, it's not going well for them. And, uh, but it is going just poorly enough for them that she's able to see the Crimson King's hologram basically fate shift Dancer out of there to get him to safety. Um. Oh, this is when that scene happens. Okay. And, uh, so as Vision's standing there, there's shadows that open up behind her and 
I'm gonna spoil who comes out because it's not gonna make sense otherwise. You see Grief, Ark, and Void pop out. They come out, Ark creates a circle on the ground, and they portal to the underworld and disappear. So they dip, they dip set and take Vision with them. Because as we know, they all worked for the First and Forsaken Lion, so they're going to protect their ally. Mm-hmm. And things are going kind of up because Solars are getting involved. Sorry, they're going upside down because Solars are getting involved. At, uh, at this point, because he's still on the hologram, he, he got, even after he got Dancer out, the rest of the Solars have moved into the fight. Uh, Storm has come down and gotten involved in it. And so... At this point, uh, we're gonna the big battle starts, but Crimson King is actually angered when she, he sees Lioness and kind of has a small fit about you know all of us murdering Wayward Son who was mm-hmm. his dad, but you know couldn't be helped. Kind of had to do that thing. So like I said, big battle ensues. Lioness fights uh, Van Danken, which I don't remember who Van Danken was. He was one of the... He was just a heroic mortal from the Victory Society. Okay. Uh, the God King is fighting the, the mobs. Nix and Sonny are handling Nick McLiffs, which is the big buff dude that was picking things up and putting things down. I think Britt named him. Yes, I think that she named him Nick McLiffs. And then Storm is fighting the, the Saint of Victory through Deception. Because why not? <laughs> Let's fight Deception with Deception. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we do find out that... Uh, there's a name that drops, but I don't think we figured out what it was till later. The name drop was Civil Seer. We knew it was something important, but not entirely what it was. Right, so... Um, and that's actually the end of that session. Um, so, one of the things that Christina did not write down is that uh, the Crimson King and uh, Dancer actually have a small interaction that's written down in my notes um, where that when the dancer does see um when they come in um dancer does say uh like pointing at storm because he knows where that she is just goes i knew you'd catch up eventually but fate conspires against you yet again mistress of assassins i'll let my subordinates deal with you and then he gets fate magic away um and then uh the crimson king's uh the crimson king's fit is, how dare you hurt my father? After we worked so hard to bring him back to the path of righteousness, you'll pay for this, you Cretans! And <laughs> Sorry, afterwards... The, the phrasing of that is Afterwards, so uh, Dancer can be seen on the hologram be- behind him, and then he calms down and he goes, you're right, mother won't mind if I take some power from the sword and give it to Civil Seer. That's where the name drop was. Yeah. Yes. Because I just have Civil Seer written off to the side. So we knew it was important. We just didn't know exactly why it was important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after combat, if Victory... Uh, no one... You guys did not leave anyone in the Victory Society alive, did you? Uh, no, we didn't. So... Because um, I ended up killing... We ended up killing all the people we fought. Except... Yeah, no, we did kill Nick McGlips, I'm pretty sure. Unless, yeah. unless we uh, coerce them to our side, but I don't think so. Yep. Okay, so something that I wanted to actually add in here before we get to the next session. Okay. I recently found my list for Victory Society NPCs. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so I've got the Victory Society mob stats. That's not super important. The Victory Society Legion stats. Victory Corrupted. Victor- Victory Lieutenant Van Danken. Clear... Um, Let's see, did I have any RP things for him? No, I did not. He was basically just a fucking Jean-Claude Van Damme ripoff. Um, and then, Victory General Nick McLiffs. RP, drunk on power. He insists on lifting and throwing everything. Think Marco from C-Lab 2021. I've got the... I'm a gorilla with the strength of five gorillas. Yeah. Nick McLiffs was my favorite. Uh, it was Britt's, I think, and Tony's favorite, too. And then I also have uh, Saints of Victory through Deception. Uh, he didn't get any big things, except that his special abilities was... 
Uh, I don't think you guys already noticed this, but um, he had a special ability of leech. Hit points lost by the victim are gained by the assailant. So if he hit you with something, he got HP back. That's great. He he hit me with something. I auto hit him. <laughs> and that's why I had, Hey, look. He was the the state of victory through deception. Clearly, that's that's my boo. That's who I'm going after. That's who I am fucking up. So anyway, so for the next session, what day was it on? So we flip the book over. <laughs> yeah, let's flip the book over. So, March the 10th, 2019. We actually had a friend sitting in on us, Jesse, who sent us in some questions. So thank you, Jesse, for doing that. And my cat is trying to get into the uh, bag of things. So, uh, we use a gift to travel to find the Bull of the North. So we're, we're going down, man. We are going down into the pits of whatever lies underneath the Gethamane. We're in for a trip. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy, are you guys in for a fucking trip? Um, we find uh, Samea, who is part of... Samara. Samara. Mm -hmm. I, have a, I have it written with a Y. For some um, reason. Samara the Mammoth Priestess. That's fine. Either way. Samara. I have I have a tendency to uh, misspeak sometimes. I mean, either way, Samea, Samara, you got the idea on what her name is supposed to be. She's she's part of the Bull of the Norse group. Yep. So we find her. Basically, it's it's one of those fun things of we find her, we heal her up, we send her to the ship. Um, so Sunny creates portals that go straight to the ship, and we just fix her up and kind of push her through yeah, the Yeah, not knowing about that spell kind of fucked up this whole, uh, you guys trying to save the Bull of the North thing. I thought that it was going to be a little bit more hectic than that. Also, um, because I was, because I think we had a late start, I was trying to rush towards the boss fight. So, originally you guys were supposed to come in and save her from some underways monsters that she was fighting. Yeah, I think we were a little rushed on this. I think we got started a little late. After uh, Samara, Samea, we find Raneth. I'm sure people probably remember him, hopefully. We mentioned him, like, once or twice. He's also part of the Bull of the North Circle. He's their Twilight cast. Um, yeah, I don't know how much you want to say about each person, so that's why I'm giving not, you a There's pause. not really a whole lot to be said. It was, like, Mammoth of Diamond Hearth uh, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Raneth of, of Diamond Hearth. Um, we met him in, uh, I believe it was Lookshy. Basically, the yeah, you guys met him and we'll try. And basically, the reason for having these people uh, show up and be basically on death's door is so is basically so that Sonny, who at this point is known for bringing his army everywhere, has a reason to take the army and basically use it to um, kind of uh, what's it called stay like escort them back so then I'm not having to deal with an army on the combat field as well. Well, portals are a thing. Yeah, well, portals are a thing. So, after those two, we find Sesta, which is Storm's sister. So, they heal her up and Storm walks her through the portal because it's her little it's her baby sister. So, of course, she's going to make sure she gets through okay because not that she doesn't care about the other people, but family uh, mainly her siblings, because, like, she doesn't really care as much about her parents, but her siblings are literally everything to her, uh, whenever she's around them. And then, uh, as we're going along, after we've got those three safely back, we find, kneeling on the ground, are two figures. You got the Orichalcum Spear with the, with Tepanarata, and there's a Diclave, which is with the Bull of the North. So, um, they have their weapons, thankfully. Yes, Tepidorata showed up, which I think is one of the reasons why that I thought that Diego might have been there. Um, but I wanted to give him some more uh, some more screen time, so to speak. And then the Bull of the North is there. And uh, did you write down what that he asked? Uh, no. Okay. Oh, so no. Yeah, no, no, no. He does say a thing. He says a thing. So hold on. Let me get to this and see if it's the same thing that you want to say. Okay. Basically, we take care of them. Uh, there's also a guy with scales and 
this other one is a master swordsman. Yes, those are the Victory Society guys. And these are the people that attack the Bull of the North. Yes. So we find out that the town's getting obliterate cor- correlates with this thing's regeneration. Um, and the Bull says that this thing is a primordial. So we, like I said, we fix them up and we send Talisman back through with her dad and Tepidorada so that she can make sure that she gets back to them. Also, we don't want to have Talisman and Linus, both played by Julia, having to be in the same fight together, so. Yes, that becomes very problematic. Yeah. Does that line up with the thing you wanted to say, or no? It does not. Okay, then what's the thing you wanted to say? So when you guys finally see the bull in the north, he goes, Reinforcements! Finally! I think one more fight is all I got in me. Uh, He's going to chuckle and cough up blood. Um, Basically, they have to... um, convince the bull of the north to leave which is what you guys do but originally in this um him and tepidorata would be uh very hard to convince but i guess you guys did convince them both to leave because they were both basically mortally wounded you guys were like nah we got this we got this you guys are only gonna be a hindrance go with your daughter back so she doesn't have to watch you die I don't remember exactly what we said, but mm-hmm. I mean, um, that those are the so, first thoughts that come to my so head. So one of the things that obviously is not important right now um, because of the portals, but here's a little note from me. Depending on who escorts NPCs and how deep in they are, it will determine how much more they have to fight. Keeping all NPCs means that certain exults will be slain. It also means that the overall mobs and NPC stats will be increased to deal with extra damage from fully developed exiles. Heroic mortals will be able to escort Samara and Ranith, while it may take an exile or two depending on who came in with them to escort the bull and errata due to how deep they are. If the group only retains one NPC, they will only have to face off against the boss uh, Civil Seer and his exalts, while any more will add mobs or stats to said NPCs. Oh god, I can only imagine if, like, Sessa kept going and she died. If Sesta kept going, if Ranith well, or Samara... Well, that would have probably limit-broke Storm. Mm-hmm. If the bull died, if Tepanarada died, like... I know that Tepanarada has not been a big deal for you guys, but I really wanted to, like have him be a like big player because like as soon as it like i introduced him i was like you know what would be a great thing for him to be like old man solid snake with a fucking spear <laughs> that's what i want him to be just running a fucking mercenary company oh man that'd be hilarious uh so as we're going we've sent everybody back it's just our group as we're going along well, Sergey. well yeah I think we sent Surefire back with you Talisman. Did. Which is why that... Let's see. If the group only retains one NPC, <laughs> that being Sergey, Yeah. You guys are fine. Which means that everything kept its normal stat block. Yeah. Because we sent Talisman back with, with uh, Bull of the North. So, of course, Surefire went back with his lady to make sure everything was okay. Because uh-huh. Talisman's not a super combative character. And everybody else, even though they're kind of mended, are also still hurt. And, you know, Surefire's going to protect them just fine. It'll be okay, right? It'll be just fine. It'll be just fine. So, like I said, as we're going along, we hear the clanking of metal. Storm goes walking ghost so she can sneak see up on them. Uh, There's this deep rumbling uh, under the ground in the center of this area. And a worm-like creature with a large gaping maw. It has kind of like this single split down the middle with human teeth. It's just an amalgamation of humans put together. Uh, the soul of a primordial. So cue, yes. cue Civil Seer and all the bullshit Civil that comes- Seer showing up. Uh, the actual description that I have is Civil Seer is a massive worm-like creature with a large gaping maw that reaches towards the top of the cavern. Multiple flagella and rocky outcroppings form around it, with faces and appendages reaching out to grab the group into smaller toothy maws. When it speaks, it is with all of its voices at once in a disgusting echo. 
See, that's a much better description than what I had. Um, give me just one second, because I do want to describe civil. I do want to give civil seers, um, primordial name, which is civil I, seer. Oh, do you have it? I'm pretty sure I have that actually written down because I remember reading it. It might be in the second session. Oh, the next session after this. Because it, the name, yeah, I have it in the next session. So if we want to save it for that or I can say it now. Uh, say it now. Okay, so let me make, so I'm going to say what I have written down and you let me know if I have it correctly. Okay. Civil Seer, that which waits in the darkness to consume the world. Is that wrong? I might have changed it then, but what I have written down is Civil Seer, that which waits, whispers, and consumes for vengeance of a law stage. I mean, both involve consumption and waiting and it's, bullshit. It's, it's all very similar, yeah. Yeah. So that's not all. It's not just Civil Seer. There's other two victory priests that come trolley hopping in. And literally trolley hopping in because we're underground. <laughs> so a trolley... And there are mine carts with a spider web of uh, uh, of basically like mine cart tracks. Yeah. And this is battles and trade. So uh, we start fighting them. Nope, wait. Nope. I want to actually pull them up. So Saint of Battles. The interesting thing, let's see if he has any interesting things. So one of my favorite things about him is, is that he has single point shining into the void style, which is my single favorite fucking thing. Then I won't mention that because that's in the notes. Oh, well. <laughs> um, let me see if he has any interesting little things. No. One of the things I do remember about him that was unique is that I, uh, well, I, gave, I let Jesse play him. Yep, because Jesse was sitting in. And then the other one is Saint of Wealth. I have uh, trade. Oops. Uh, through trade, through wealth, whatever. I change it on a fucking whim. It's fine. He's, he is basically just... Throwing money at people? He's, yeah, he's <laughs> basically... And talents? His, his, uh, his words are death, wealth, command, and health. He's the healer, but, like, any time that he uses a fucking, like, smite, he's just literally throwing fucking, like, money at people as a smite. Like, imagine someone throwing a gold brick at you as a weapon. <laughs> That's kind of what he was doing, and it was fantastic. It was absolutely Yeah, the but see, best. I have battles. Single point shining into the void. There we go. Because I was just like, motherfucker's using the same thing that Sergei uses. Aw, shit, kill him first. <laughs> so, uh, we start fighting them. Things go bad, so Battles tries to dip out. And Sergei and Storm will not let him leave. They actively, because I believe Sergei can do the thing where he can, like, leap up with his sword and go after something. Uh, no, Sergei just has a lot of, uh, a lot of fancy might. Sergei has the might charm that lets him just... Okay. Just godly. And then I think I just ran up the wall after him or something like that. But yeah, basically they went up after him and was like, nah, you're not leaving. Grab him and I think literally throw him back down onto the ground into the fight. Um, but I know they pull him back into the fight. I don't remember how. While everybody else is dealing with trade and civil seer. Um... And eventually they feed battle to the worm. Uh-huh. And, uh... Oh, wait, 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 wait. There is some really good stuff that happens that I'm... So, I'm looking at Civil Seer's uh, character sheet right now. Okay. Unique abilities. Hinder divine power. The victim must commit one effort for the scene in order to activate their non-constant gifts or invoke miracles. Basically, hey, do you want to do any of your nor any of your like powers? Commit an effort for the scene, or else you can't do anything. Which sucks for me because a lot of my stuff is don't commit effort. Uh, he can pin or it can pin stuff. Victim can't move under physical power. Optionally, it may instead block supernatural or abnormal movement modes. Victim can still act in place. Basically, its plan was it can pin, and then once it, it pins, it can then do severe continuing damage, um, inflicts 1d8 damage each round. Yeah, because I think you could, it tried then, to use that on me, and 
because all my deception stuff doesn't it's constant mm-hmm. i think i was like fuck it don't care about that but i right. am gonna keep the thing that lets me walk on anything um and then it had uh defense break victim's armor class worsens by two points for the duration of the scene but it must pin as an action for this to work yeah i don't remember a lot of uh finite points in the battle it was just a lot of stuff for there was correctly. one thing that i particularly enjoyed doing because I gave this thing the one gift that would fuck over God King. So God King, as we've oh, mentioned before, yeah. God King, as we mentioned before, is a very old, is an older solar. We haven't really talked a lot he, about he God didn't King. Get lo- he didn't get locked up in the Jade Prison. God, yeah, God King did not get locked up in the Jade Prison. There's a lot of really great moments that we had with God King that just kind of got lost in the notes that I'm not remembering, and I feel really bad about it. But like. It, it happens. But basically, one of the things that we knew about God King is that God King has, like, great-grandkids and great-great-great-grandkids because God King he has been around. He has a very long lineage. God King has a very long lineage. There is a ability from the fertility line, or from the fertility word, called Sever the Line. I feel like we've mentioned it once before. We might have, but this is particularly the meanest thing that I've ever done to a to a PC. Commit effort for the day and choose a target in sight. The target is rendered sterile, and only a gift or similar power can undo it. All their children immediately suffer 1d12 damage die. Grandchildren suffer 1d10. Great-grandchildren suffer 1d8, and so forth down to the fifth generation, which suffers 1d4. It's kind this of brutal. curse only works once on any given target, and particular descendants may be spared by the hero. Let me put it this way. Heroic mortals have 4 HP! So Doing a 1d12, people could just start splatting. Could you imagine being at a fucking, like, baby shower, and then suddenly the baby just fucking explodes because your great-great-grandfather got into a fight with a goddamn primordial? Oh, what's his name? That's a noise that I'm keeping in there. That's a very interesting name. Um, how do you spell that? Ah! What the actual fuck is going on? I'm talking about when that I cast Sever the Line on Mori. I'm in my room, watching my show, and all I hear is... Ah! How do you spell that, Julia? I'm gonna go with a lot of U's and O's and A's. A lot of vowels. There's going to be an R in there, and maybe a G-H. <laughs> Alright. Okay. That works. Uh, sure everyone's alive. <laughs> everyone is alive, except for the things that we're murdering in this session. Well, anyways, uh, murder civil seer, murder battles by feeding battles to, the, to civil seer, and then God King enslaves uh, trade and makes Trade the leader of the business school for the God King. Because the God King likes to enslave people and bend him to his cult, so to speak. Um, as this is happening, there is a portal that, I think when we kill Silver Seer, a portal appears, or a portal that he came out of or something like that. Yes, a portal does appear. So, uh, can I mention something else? Yeah, so the reason that um, the uh, this whole thing works is that Civil Seer uh, basically gains power from his uh, his uh, his fucking abyssals, or I get yeah his, his, his the Victory Society spreading his word uh, throughout the uh, sp- uh, spreading spreading the good word of Civil Seer, which. Uh, Basically, by feeding him, causes a feedback loop into the into into his soul, and then basically he explodes outwards in a spray of gore. Yeah. Um. Yep. Yeah. 
and then deep and then basically there's a portal that opens up the uh there's a scent of brass and cacophonous pipe organ there's the sound of a deep booming, booming voice that comes from nowhere and everywhere all at once do you have the the actual thing that i wrote down uh i don't have the description for it okay so basically i'm gonna take over here for a second okay there's the sound of a deep booming voice that comes from nowhere and everywhere all at once. Cackling madly, it masks the sound of rapidly approaching footsteps. That That's a little bit of a spoiler, but anyway, so it, it's basically this deep booming voice is cackling madly. And in the process, they hear the sound, the voice of the Ebon Dragon yep. going... Impertinent mortal suncast, do you truly aspire to prevail against us? Long before man hurled himself from the primordial ooze, we waged war with Fae and made all of creation. And then what happens, Christina? Okay, so as he, as our villainous Ebon Dragon is giving his villainous monologue, um, you see Grief run up, jump, say shortcut and jump into the portal, which closes behind him. Yep. You're, you're, you're giving me a look, so That's exactly like, <laughs> what happened. Uh, everyone is confused. I feel rightly so. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're just like, okay, we're done here, and teleport back to the ship. Mm -hmm. So that's actually the end of that session. Okay. And that's uh should be the last session that we are in Gethamane. So we got everything I think into this one for Gethamane. Mm -hmm. In the next session, a lot of random stuff is gonna happen. And we're we gonna find up out the north. we're gonna find out a lot of stuff and some wonky meetings happen. And see how well that Brendan and Christina remember a roleplay session that happened on a fucking hookah lounge that never got written down. Yeah. Basically, Storm made some decisions. I didn't want to have that conversation in front of the other players because I knew I was going to get looks and there was definitely going to be some interjections from them. I wanted to have that one-on-one -on -one and also not take up game time to have it. So Brendan and I ended up going to a hookah lounge, having that conversation, and then Storm relayed that conversation back because she actually went off the comms so they couldn't hear what was going on. Mm -hmm. But we'll get into that next episode next week that'll be that'll be that and we are very rapidly approaching the end yeah uh, we have five sessions left to record then we have to get through uh what should have happened or what did happen with the, the legion sanguinary mm -hmm. that kind of basically what each character's goals were how they got to the point they did in our canon mm -hmm. and then how how the our our campaign was supposed to wrap up, right? Because we, as we've mentioned before, we never got all the way through it. Uh, burnout's a real thing, so we'll have to talk about how that was actually supposed to end and uh, all those kind of things. And I guess it'd be really cool. Maybe the quarantine will be done by then. Probably not. But uh, I would love to probably message everybody who played it and be like, what was the happy ending or what ending did you want for your character? Mm -hmm. Say the maiden, maiden's defeated, her ilk are all gone. What ending did you want for your character? And I'd love to read those out for everybody. We can definitely do that. We've still got like two or three weeks. You have to excuse Brendan. He's got a blondie in his mouth. Not a person. The actual food. <laughs> Not the band. I wasn't going with that one, but... You good? No, you want some milk? Is, maybe. You want, you want some water? You want some beer? You want something? Milk. I'll get it in a second. <laughs> Alright, guys. So, we are rapidly approaching the uh, conclusion of, what is this, season one of Let the Good Dice Roll? Uh, yeah, I think that'd be a good way yeah, to Yeah, let's, let's go with that. Uh, the Exalted Years. The, the, the Exalted Season. Um... So, remember to like, subscribe, comment, uh, send us some fucking questions. My God, I'm going crazy. I want to answer some <laughs> questions. And if you give us questions, we can keep talking about Exalted for just a little bit longer and not have to start, like, fearfully figuring out where this fucking, uh, where this... Our banter 
where are of our podcast where our banter is going to go? Because at that point, it's just going to turn into me and Christina sitting on opposite ends of the couch, just going. So, how was your week, person that I live with? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that I don't know that exactly works out super well. We're gonna have to find some things to talk about. And you know what? If you wanted to send things for us to talk about, you can send them into a pair of dice lost at gmail.com. Have a cool subject you want us to talk about? Have a good question you want us to answer? Go. We are totally here for that. Send in those questions or DM me on Twitter. So. Or if get, you know us personally, feel free to message us. Or yeah, or if care. you know us personally, feel free to message us. If you know us personally and you're not listening to this podcast and not sending us DMs, I now know who you are. I now know! He, he, he looks. I might be going quarantine crazy. It's only been, what, two weeks? Yeah, it's only been two weeks and I still have a job, technically. So. Yeah, Brendan and I still work out in the real world. Um, it's been so slow and I love it. Yeah. But I watch so much anime at work. That's not important. Um, but yeah, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, we really would love to hear from you. Even if you just want to send in a question and be like, hey, I'm doing okay. Uh, we we want to make sure everybody's listening and even people in between, you know, are doing okay in this time. Anyway, so uh, for a Pair of Dice Lost podcasting channel, I've been Brendan. I've been Christina. And remember to keep those good dice a-rolling.